0: Hello
1: and welcome to episode 145 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 45 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I will be taking a look at strategy down the stretch, looking at some good schedules, some two-star pitchers for next week. Um, how just just thinking generally about how we can use these last couple weeks to try to improve our chances uh, of of winning our leagues or do or finishing as high as we possibly can. Um, yeah, so hope you uh, enjoy the show. Um, if you do enjoy the show uh, or you enjoy the show generally, please do leave a rating and review um, on iTunes. Always always appreciate that. Uh, Bubba can be reached on Twitter at BDNtrek. I'm at batflipcrazy yeah it's we're getting down here it's the nitty-gritty it's towards the end of the season i hope everybody is doing well um but yeah let's get this party started
0: and welcome back everybody to another episode of bubba and the bat flip episode 49 you can check me out on twitter at bd toby on twitter at batflip we're gonna recap or not recap i roughly the final seven to 10 days of the season as we were just wrapping things up. And Toby's so good at always looking ahead at like the matchups and all that. So it'll be a fun way to check
1: all this out. But first, Toby, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Bubba. I'm doing well, you know. Um, Yeah, I think maybe sometimes I overanalyze things a little bit, you know, schedule wise, player wise, everything wise, you know. But um, it's crazy just to think that there's, you know what, 11 days left in the season Um, you know, it feels like it just started, but I was, we were saying before, it feels absolutely exhausting. And I feel like that's not necessarily normal. Like, I feel like there's pieces of it that are exhausting, like fab on a weekly basis is certainly tiring, but I feel like just the amount of information you have to consume at all times to figure out like, like today, you know, you're, you're planning on starting Tyler Anderson. And then it's like, you know, the game's postponed, or you have longo and belt in your lineup, even though it's a short week because whatever. And then you're like, ah, I gotta figure this out. Do I have guys that are still that that I that are locked? You know? So it's just you just gotta have your finger on the pulse all the time, or you miss it. And that's exhausting. So yeah, you gotta have your finger on the pulse, and at the same time, you just gotta kinda throw your hands
0: up too, because there's certain things you just have no control over, like Friday night. You know, all the games have pretty much started. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, Giants have a positive test. And so Giants wow. Padres are stopped. It's like, what the F is going on? And I literally, I'm, like, I'm, texting, I'm texting a good buddy of mine who lives in San Diego now, diehard Giants fan. And I'm texting him going, at first, because how's the weather down there? I'm like, because I know it's not as smoky. We found out it wasn't the smoke. And then um, I told him, I said, the Giants are one of the few teams, this is a no-homer situation, I did not see getting COVID because Kapler's mm. got them so regimented. And the players are bought into being like They've talked about it, how, like, hardcore they are about it. So, I was like, totally like, no, there's no way. And then when they said Alex Dickerson, I'm like, no, 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 no no way. And then obviously it's a false positive. They got the doubleheader in. They're going to, and then they play the final weekend of the year. They'll make the other one up. It'll all come together. But then again, you weren't planning that in your schedule. Um, mm. Tonight, Tonight, like you mentioned, too smoky in Seattle. Like they shouldn't even play the Oakland games yesterday. That was nasty looking yeah. at that. But um, that Lizardo so, start was brutal. <laughs> well, yeah, like, it's tough because I played him in DFS. And then. He starts out, yeah. yeah. He starts out great, and then he goes like just, just implodes. I'm like, what just happened? Because I'm, I'm working, so I'm just kind of watching it on my phone. And then uh, he comes out afterwards and goes, yeah, I'm like looking for oxygen. I couldn't breathe out there. Like, well, yeah, no, no, no wonder he couldn't throw. Like, (laughs) Like, hello. So it's just, it's crazy. Like, how do you, you can't factor that stuff. That's just how crazy this is. Uh, At least the Giants and Mariners, they flew into San Francisco. They're gonna make up the games the next couple of days, so you're mm-hmm. not gonna completely lose them. So that's true smiley,
1: baby. true smiley. Yep. There you go.
0: League winner. <laughs> if we were all over Drew in March.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm all over Drew through. now. I don't My know, My at least have at
0: least come through.
1: Increased dramatically over the last week, Baba.
0: Oh, uh, that's outstanding. So yeah, like I said at the start, we're gonna kind of talk about um you know favorable schedules coming up when you're looking at fab or setting your lineups. Or things along those lines um we're gonna answer some listener questions potential two-star guys waiver wires are gonna differ like toby does a bunch of 15 team leagues i know some of the listeners do 10 and 12 team leagues so obviously that's gonna be a whole nother ball game um i, I you have stressing out about fab that's how i was early in the year i i lucked out because like i only had fab like in half my leagues this weekend so i was just like Did you? and i just like, kind of walked away i'm like okay is what it is <laughs> is what it is because <laughs> I've, I've been saying it i told you and others I have and I know I'm not the only one, but man, the injury bug just destroyed me. Like I've been making moves left and right. So yeah, the season it was fun and it's weird because I think in half of my leagues, I'm like third place or higher. Like I'm leading like two or three. Then the other half, I'm like at the very bottom. So it's just like one or the other. So yeah.
1: then the breaks. For but, sure. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um it's something something else. For sure, but, uh, and also I, I must tell the listeners because this is a this is a monumental moment for me personally, um, is that I did start playing DFS uh, earlier this week for the first time. I've never played DFS in my entire life. Welcome and to Thunderdome. Earlier this week, I started playing. I want to give a little shout out to our boy Yancey Eaton, who has been my mentor um, from a <laughs> DFS perspective. I I'm certainly not. Uh, I have not been the best mentee so far. But then also shout out uh, Walter McMichael also helped me a little bit uh, to begin with, gave me a little nudge which was nice. So um, that's been that's been fun. And then today somebody asked me, oh, should I go with Walsh or Gallo? And I was like, oh, I mean Walsh is on a heater, but Gallo's the better player. Go with Gallo. And I apologize, I apologize profusely to you for saying that. Um, I haven't apologized yet on Twitter, but I will apologize. I wonder it's if I got good, that
0: same, I had someone asking the same question, so I wonder if it's the same person. Because I told him Walsh. What
1: did you say? You said Walsh. Walsh. Wow, listen yeah. to Bubba. Don't listen. to I wrote. A, me. I, have I, long, I, I have a long. Yeah. I have a long term mindset, people. I have a long term. I write mindset. articles.
0: I, I I do two podcasts every morning, Monday through Friday, for DFS, and I write articles Monday through Friday. And Walsh was my first baseman today in the article. So, wow. yeah, I was going with. Walsh. I had
1: him last week, and then not this week, and so. Again, listen to Bubba. Don't listen to anything I have to say. If we're talking season long, you can listen to what I have to say. But on a day-to-day matchup basis, do not listen to a damn thing I say. It's all that's garbage, what? and I'm really sorry. I hope I didn't cost that person their league. It's uh, these a, are big. It's big stakes man. right now, so every every answer is you know important. Yeah, but it, how are we supposed to know? Like we don't know. It just go you with know, the best situation. You but knew, that, Bubba. That, you that, knew.
0: It's one reason why I tweeted out today that I, I enjoyed doing DFS because it helps me as a season-long player just by Mm. knowing the player pool and doing well and this and that because like I I see people that I I really respect and it's like seven or eight days later then they start going oh look at this guy was on a heater for seven days I'm like well we've been playing them for like six of them so it's been Mm. really really nice it's just little things like that you pick up on and uh, some of the listeners said they uh they picked guys up like uh DJ
1: Stewart and Walsh and have been using them lately so it's been nice totally but um Let's I'm excited I got Walsh in the Dynasty League oh that's nice. back when I saw he was playing a little bit. So.
0: He had 36 homers in the minors last year, and he's carried it on. So, big boy stuff. That is good to see. So, let's get into this rest-of-season strategy here. You, uh, I'll kind of just ask you each team that you have under the favorable schedule situation. Because most of them, like, shocker, there's double-headers. So they've got more than seven <laughs> games. but just how it's going to go. Double-headers, man. Strong. And um, for those, we're not going to go deep into it, but the MLB past the bubbles concept for the playoffs, going can be awesome. And uh, no days off in the first two rounds. So there's eight games a day for like at least the four, first four days. It's going to be so awesome. Eight playoff games. Absolutely amazing. So, yeah. uh, Do they do DFS for playoff games? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've covered in the past, but usually it's only like two or three games. So it's kind of difficult. Cool. Eight games. I'm going to be all about that life. It's going to be oh, great. Man. Absolutely amazing. So
1: It's very yeah. cool. Yeah. So, let's, yeah.
0: It's yeah. going to be wild. Let's do the favorable schedules here. We'll start off with the uh, the obvious one, but it's not because why you think it's the obvious one. Colorado makes the list, but they're not playing in coolers for the last week of the season. Four yeah. at the Giants, four at the D-backs. I kind of see your angles here, but what is it that you find to be favorable in the Rockies?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think, obviously, when they're you know on the road, they're not that good of a team. But from an individual perspective, I think – you know, eight games is really nice. They're in the heat of the competition for the playoffs. Um, And so they're going to hopefully be close enough where they need to be playing every single game. So I think that's key. And then they've got some nice pieces, you know, I think they've got some guys like even Fuentes, you know, who's just kind of coming up Um, he's hitting relatively in the middle of the order. If, and at this point in time, I mean, like the thing you got to think about strategically is you got to look at your, I play Roto, so you got to look at your categories, you got to look where you are, where can you make up ground, where can you lose ground? How aggressive do you want to be? Because I think that's a major question is like, for me, I'm in a lot of ratio competitions. And the question is, are you passive and kind of wait to see if if your competitors will make a mistake or they'll get unlucky with some bad games? Or do you get aggressive and maybe starting some guys that you aren't that interested in? In a lot of situations, I'm also in a strikeout battle, so I, I'm kind of being a little bit more aggressive, and I just tend to be a little bit more aggressive. But I think these are the things that you need to be thinking about. And so, you know, when it comes down to it, yeah, Rockies on the road isn't 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 great, but eight games is eight games. Um, that's seven full games too. Those are six full games, and those doubleheaders are sneaky. right? Right. Cause you can go into it and you're like, Oh, well, you know, I did this, this, this week with Shogo Akiyama and Brian Goodwin, where I was like, they've got four games to start off with. They're only one lefty. Um, and I am going to, I need steals. So you go heavy towards them, but then they only really get like, you know, one seven inning game and one nine inning game in some instances and you miss it. So, always something to factor in, but I just think the pitchers aren't that great, you know, on either of those teams, Arizona or um, San Francisco. And so from a hitting perspective, I think there should be some opportunities there with some interesting, interesting plays down the stretch for sure. Yeah. And in those eight games, I'll just highlight who they're projected.
0: I'm using the rotor wire probable starting pitcher. We talked about it before the season started. One of the tools we love to use. I put it out for 14 days. So that week, if things stay, (laughs) that's a big, if in 2020, if things stay the same, um, they would if they face Drew Smiley, Tyler Anderson, then Gosman and Quato. So two lefties. We like the Rockies versus lefties, so that's interesting. Two good lefties. So are uh, not good, but pretty good lefties. And then when they get the D backs, though, it's gonna be interesting for the doubleheader, Zach Gallon and Alex Young, and then they uh, one lefty, one righty, and then Luke Weaver and finish the year with Taylor Clark. So I kind of like you know, young Weaver, Clark, I've seen be hittable this year. Uh, You have Smiley, who we like. You never know. Tyler Anderson, it's all or nothing with him. I've watched him enough this year. He's either on or he's going to get hit all over the ballpark. And then he's pretty strong, assuming his start this weekend goes well. His MRA was good. He's scheduled to start this weekend. And then Cueto, usually you don't blow him up, but you can hit him. So I don't know. The Giants series is a little tricky. The D-backs, though, especially that weekend series, big fan of what they got going on there. So I I, I like that a lot.
1: Oh, man. Gossman's supposed to come back now?
0: Yeah, he took his MRI came back clean, and they're going to schedule him to throw this weekend. Right now, RotoWire had him pitching on Thursday. I'd expect him to throw more Friday or Saturday, but yeah. that's why I think this could switch around a little bit. But they're going to want to get him out there at least twice before the season's over, getting ready for the postseason because he's almost like their ace.
1: Oh, he's totally their. ace. Yeah. <laughs> he's so good this year. I had him in big leagues, and I dropped him because it's like. You know, you figure he's going to miss a little bit of time, but it happens. Oh, well. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, you know, Gaussman is certainly really strong, and I, and I actually really do like Smiley. Like you said, Anderson is hit and miss. But, you know, those aren't guys that scare you away, right? They're not pitching matchups where you're like, as much as you love them, you got to kind of step back and say, okay, I love Drew Smiley. I have him on every single team I could possibly have in the world, but he's still Drew Smiley. You know, he's not Jacob deGrom. So, um, just close to it. So, yeah. yeah. So, I like
0: that. I like this. I, like <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, next up, you have the St. Louis Cardinals. Three at Kansas City, which you know you can usually get to them more often than not. And then five big ones in Milwaukee. If you do the quick math there, that should be two double dips. Let me double check the schedule real quick. But they missed so many games. It makes it's, sense. It's, it's four, only one. It's four only.
1: one double dip. Yeah.
0: It's kind of like games. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But eight games. So they're going to be taxed pitching-wise. The Cardinals' offense as a whole, to me, I don't know about you, pretty disappointing this year as as, as what we'd expect Brad from them. Miller. Brad Miller, he's done his thing. Tommy Edmund kind of showed flashes like young, so but they've missed so much time also. It's been kind of frustrating. But before I – I'll go into the pitching at the end here, but what's your thoughts on the Cardinals in this series against teams that uh, you can definitely take advantage of?
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got some interesting pieces. I've been targeting Milwaukee for steals, obviously, which let me tell you, I need steals like the devil. I don't know if you need the devil really, but like I just, I need steals. Heading into into this weekend, I was third overall in the OC and I can gain hundreds of points in stolen bases. All season I've been trying to get stolen bases. And I can't do it. And I went after Harrison Bader. So he's an example of a guy where he's batting ninth, but a lot of games he generally plays every day. He's got speed. He's got a little bit of power, gets on base. So he shouldn't absolutely destroy you. So that's like a guy that I targeted for steals who maybe next week, at least in the second half of the week, the Royals aren't good to target for steals. You know, you can go after a guy like that. Obviously their pitching has come around a little bit with Burns being, you know, just so, um, so incredible. And I think he might have two starts next week. Um, I think does I think not that he, at he, the moment. he, he only, has, only has one at the moment and okay. it's against, it's against St. Louis, but they, he only has one. Okay. Um, oh, he's got the two. It's this week that he's yeah, got two this two week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, so, so I think, generally speaking, I think those are really good. Uh, that's a that's a decent kind of end of the season for stolen bases. If you're looking for it, Milwaukee has been pretty bad all year round, um, and so that would might be a, a kind of late season matchup that I might target with him. Maybe Tyler O'Neill as well. He got a stolen base yesterday. Of course, he's like the one guy I didn't pick up. So yeah, I, I, you know, I, I I think there's nothing that. Uh, really scares me there outside of maybe that Corbin Burns start. But outside of that, I think it might be a nice little opportunity to take advantage. Brady Singer has obviously looked pretty good. He's got two starts next week, but, um, you know, a a couple maybe mediocre to poor matchups, but the rest I think should be be pretty nice for hitters. Yeah, mediocre to poor is putting it nicely. Like Jacob Janis, who got destroyed tonight,
0: ERA closing in on six right now. He gets the Cardinals. Singer, he pitched great two starts ago. He's gotten shelled a lot of times. He's hit and miss. We'll see how he throws on uh, Wednesday. He's the scheduled starter for Wednesday against the Tigers. Then you get Danny Duffy, assuming he makes that start since he uh, missed the plane, got busted. There's rumors he might have got DUI again. Who knows what's going on there? So we'll see if Danny Duffy starts that game. And then the Milwaukee series, Burns, yes, very tricky. Not one you look forward to. But then the doubleheader, you got Lindblom, who pitched well his last time out, which kind of pitched like the Lindblom we'd hoped for. We'll see how that goes. You got Brent Sutter, who you can take advantage of. Brian Ander, or Brett Anderson, you can take advantage of. And then Woodruff, man, he's he's been good, but not what people wanted him to be this year. So, yeah, some some good matchups. Probably like four or five of those matchups. Big
1: fan of for uh, the St. Louis Cardinals going into that week. Let's just say Josh Limblom. I told you guys on Twitter, whoever the guy is who was arguing with me about how Josh Limblom is not a good pitcher, he's a very good pitcher who has been unlucky. I'm going to be all over him next year. Mark it down on your calendars. I'll be doing 15 to 20 drafts next year. You mark down each one of those on the calendars. Josh Limblom shares way up. Yeah, I
0: was a big Limblom fan. I think I even wrote something about him as one of the late round pitchers to take earlier this year before the drafts, so like back in March. I liked him a lot. But uh, mm. it just, like you said, he was unlucky. You know, when pitcher listing those guys, Nick Pollock and then break down what's going on and it makes sense to me, then I definitely understand he's unlucky. So just look at the numbers. It's it's very, very true. Uh, The the Washington Nationals, this is the team that, outside of Trey Turner and Juan Soto, the rest of the offense has been so hit and miss this year, like very, very hit and miss. But they got four at Philadelphia – or four at home versus Philadelphia, four at the Mets. The game's against Philadelphia. Um, You get wonderful Zach Wheeler. You get a doubleheader against Aaron Nola – not Austin Nola – Aaron Nola – Blake Parker, and then they get uh, Spencer Howard, assuming he's back from the IL. So keep that one in mind. And then when you look at the other games for the fight and fills, I just realized I could have made this so much easier on myself. There we go. Um, they get the day off on Thursday, and then they get um, Charlie Morton in Tampa, Yarborough, and Fleming. So that's Ooh, I a think very,
1: I so that yeah. I think it's the Nats. They have the four against Philly, and um, then they got four I was I was on the Nets. right spot. Dumb, dumb. So that's right. So
0: then the the four is Fetty. Uh, Fetty faces Waka, faces Porcello, the Degrom, and then Lugo. So Lugo's been sneaky good. Obviously DeGrom's Degrom is Degrom, mm-hmm. but you got Porcello and Waka you can hit. Spencer Howard might not even pitch that game. Blake Parker Nola is tough. And then assuming Wheeler pitches too, that could be up in the air since he can't even put his pants on. So um, it's a the, the Nats could run into some sneaky like step up out of nowhere starting pitchers they could just shell. That's an interesting schedule for sure.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, with my thoughts there are, are stolen bases. Like Mets, you yes, know, got stolen bases on the mind. So the Mets and obviously the Nats. I mean, the Nats and the Braves and the Mets have just been god-awful at holding runners. So that's kind of where my mind is there. There's also, uh, I think, eight games. Um, or no, is it eight? eight? games? It's, eight, it's games. eight games. They have eight games. And I think that Mets series is, um, is key. And then I also think they're all right-handed pitchers, every single one of them. So like a guy like Eric Thames, you know, who hasn't really been that useful this year, you know, he could get eight starts next week in a row, um, at first base, which I think could be, you know, obviously that that's the type of like league winning setup, you know, where you can pick up a guy off the wire and plug him in for eight games that last week. Um, Nats are going to be out of it probably, but, Maybe they probably are already are. I just hope Scherzer makes that that last start, even though he's looked god awful. Um, I, I, um, yeah, I mean, but it's just like guys like that who maybe you know. I feel like like they'll play Turner, they'll play all those guys. I think throughout the course of the season, maybe give them one day off that last series or something like that. But I definitely think that um, you know, hopefully they can they can get a good little run and maybe steal fifteen bases. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. It should be an interesting one.
0: Soto's going to probably lock up the MVP. No, I'm just kidding. There's a lot of guys that could be MVPs. Tatis, many others. That'll be a fun, fun vote to see how you can not get, win a 60-game MVP award. That'll be fun for sure. Um, Houston Astros three at Seattle, four at Texas. Before we even talk about the hitting, you know McCullers two-step, Framber Valdez two-step. Then you obviously have Granke, Javier's whatever. But Arcidi pitched great on Tuesday night. He finishes up a two-step this weekend in Arizona. Great matchups to pitch against Seattle and Texas. These are guys you want to target with pitchers. So, obviously, you're not going to get these like Framberg and McCullers off the waiver wire. You might get a Urquidy available for a one-star. Doubt it. You probably already picked up for two. But that's on the table. When you're talking hitting, though, the Astros will face Marco Gonzalez, Leger Newsom, Nick Marjovicius. so two lefties with Seattle. And you got Lance Lynn, Cody, Gibson, Lyles. So, Lance, Lynn's a little troubling. Gonzalez has been Okay. Other than that, my goodness, this could be a get-right spot for the playoffs.
1: Absolutely. And, and, again, going to stolen bases, I mean, those are, again, some 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 teams I think you want to target generally. I mean, the lefties are a little bit tougher. But, um, yeah, so I, I think that's a – I mean, the Astros' end-of-the-season schedule is just essentially the Mariners and the Rangers over and over and over again. Um, so, Or else I think they play the Angels too, something like that. So it's all – it's all good from the Astros perspective. I think moving forward, there's nobody who outside of Lynn, you know, who who really scares me from a matchup perspective. So I think they have a really nice end of the season and they're, they're in the heat of things. So they're really going to have to play hard. They're going to have to play everybody. I mean, Gurriel was back in the lineup today after the kind of injury scare of the weekend. So yeah, I like, I like that schedule a lot too.
0: Yeah. Altuve just got activated today as well on Tuesday. So he's back. They need to get right for the postseason, so we'll see how that goes, and that's a, a good final 10 games or so to do that with. For um, sure. Toronto Blue Jays, four in Buffalo against the Yankees, three in Buffalo against Baltimore. My goodness. Like, that's just launching bad. I'm looking forward to the Yankees games. Like, those are over-unders, better be like 12. Um, they do get Garrett Cole, tricky. Then you got Tanaka, Jordan Montgomery, J.A. Happ. You love the, the the Jays versus the lefties. And then when Baltimore comes to town, you got John Means, Jorge Lopez, and Aiken. So they have four lefties out of seven Oscar, games. Gonna
1: eat.
0: Uh, right. Oscar. I, That was part of the news we were going to talk about. He's supposed to be back Thursday or Friday this week. So he will be okay, back so next week. He, he, took, he took batting practice on Tuesday. They expect him back Thursday or Friday. So lock and load. But what's your thoughts? Because this should be a feast of a
1: week. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, the Jays, I think they're, are they all at home? All in Buffalo. They're all in Buffalo. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's beautiful. I mean, you gotta, you gotta absolutely love that. Um, that, that ballpark just plays, plays, plays well. And yeah, there's not that many tough matchups. I mean, from a pitching perspective, obviously Cole is really good. Um, you know, and I think he's getting there too. I mean, the thing about him is, I don't know whether it's a consistent thing. I haven't looked at it, but last year he started slow too, and then the velo started to tick up, and then he started to be a little bit more dominant. You know, the home run per fly ball was just out of this world. Um, so I think generally speaking, it's a really solid solid matchup there. If Teoscar comes back, he may be on a lot of waiver wires because he was dropped. Obviously, coming back from an elite, oblique, you're a little het- sketchy, but it also seems like it was something that pretty early on they realized wasn't as serious as they had feared. And so, um, you know, that could be, uh, that could be really good. Um, and just like, you know, there's, there's some guys in there, like, uh, Travis Shaw may not be the best example. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain for some of the guys that, that may have some value there, but, um, you know, who I'm kind of kind of might be interesting is like Alexander Kirk, uh, their catcher, if he gets some opportunities there. I know catcher catcher has been something we've we've had to top into with JTR and others being um, injured. So yeah, that that again, I'm, nobody's really jumping out in my mind about who you might be able to exploit. But in terms of some nice kind of matchups down the stretch, I think I think they've got them.
0: Yeah, great matchups. A lot of lefties could be a ton of fun there. With Toronto, Baltimore plays Toronto for three of those games. Before they go to Toronto for that launching pad of a game, they have three in Boston, and Boston doesn't scare anybody. Boston might have one of the worst records in the American League, and I've been loving using Baltimore all year. Baltimore, Detroit, cheap on DFS. No one wants them in season long, and they just produce night in and night out for the most part, especially for what their expectations are when people see win-loss record and whatnot. But the Orioles, they have uh, they have Monday off, and they face Chris or Maza. Iavaldi and Kickham with Boston. Three guys you can take advantage of. And then they get Taiwan Walker, who just got destroyed by the Yankees who are getting healthy, by the way. Watch game. out for that. Yeah, watch out for a healthy Yankees team, vote It's coming. And then they got Tanner Rourke and Chase Anderson. So these are matchups you can exploit. last three in Buffalo helps a lot. Uh, what's your thoughts on Baltimore?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially that that last the that Yankee series. Um Which Yankee series. Uh, not Yankee series, the um the the Blue Jay series. Sorry, um, it's all righties. You know, so your guys like DJ Stewart, uh, Jose Iglesias, Cedric Mullins is a great one too. The, the Blue... What's that? Ryo Ruiz. Yeah, Ryo Ryo Ruiz. That that DFS stack. Um, uh, so I just think there's a lot there. I mean, even Ryan Mountcastle has been crushing when he's been, in, I mean, he's in the lineup. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunities maybe there. People who could be on the wire. Austin Hayes just come came back. He's batting eighth. So that limits it a little bit, a little bit of the interest, but there's guys that are, should be available on the wire there. And I think you could take advantage, um, as well. And then it, you know, if the Yank, if, um, I have the Yankees on my mind, who are they playing at the last, last oh, Toronto? Bat? Toronto at Toronto. Yeah. So those are, um, Oh, those are the three righties. And then Boston, I think two of those three are righties that you mentioned. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, they, I mean, it's just a, it's a night, nice, it's a very nice setup, I think, um, for them down the stretch, obviously only six games, which is a little bit of a bummer, but they also shouldn't be impacted by like, do we, do we, you know, do we rest our starters? Do we, what do we do? Because they're out of it. Yep.
0: It's going to be fun. Uh, Boston has a six gamer as well. They have three at home and then three on the road. The three at home against Baltimore, we just talked about, but they face the lefty Aiken. They place Alex Cobb and Kramer, who have been interesting pitchers. Mm -hmm. Then they go on the road to Atlanta to get Wright, who just can't stop anything right now. They got Josh Tomlin and then Cole Hamels, who makes his debut on Wednesday tomorrow. If you're listening, or Wednesday, if you listen Wednesday, he's thinking to start today. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So Boston, when they go to Atlanta, could be really, really nice. Baltimore, you never know, especially, uh, I guess, that pitching staff in bullpen. So what's your thoughts on Boston?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think, uh, obviously, their their lineup just is not is not great. Um, but there's some guys that have been heating up, like Jackie Bradley Jr. has actually been really good if you're in deeper leagues, maybe looking for some stolen bases because those Braves are just um, god-awful. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, obviously, a lot of people probably picked him up. Um, but you know, just some really nice pitching, uh, pitching opportunities there down the stretch for them. Uh, So, uh, you know, I kind of like them as another one to target again, another team that's out of it. And so really shouldn't be impacted by like the wanting to rest their starters type of mentality. Yep. Not about it. Uh,
0: Yankees, who was on your mind and we've been talking about. um, Like I said, they're getting healthy. They got Giancarlo Stanton back and Gio Yershella back on Tuesday. Aaron Judge supposed to be back Thursday or Friday. Watch out, folks! They're getting healthy at just the right time. They have four at Toronto, where they face Tanner Rourke, Chase Anderson, Hung Jin Ryu, and Robbie Ray. I can't wait for that game. And then they have three at home against the Marlins: Alcantara, Rogers, and Urania. So some outstanding matchups. Ryu is the only guy that really scares me. Alcantara is not bad, but yeah. And it's the Yankees, a healthy Yankees team uh, in Buffalo, and then at home this has just a recipe for disaster written all over for the pitching staffs.
1: Yeah. It's really unfortunate. They got two righties and two lefties to start off in Toronto. Cause then it's like some of the guys like Brett Gardner, maybe loses a little bit of value, especially with the, with guys coming back. And, um, but yeah, I mean, they should absolutely crash. And so if, if any of those guys have been dropped in your leagues, you know, probably not, you know, unless you're in a really shallow league, but like a guy like Urshela maybe, um, got dropped a little bit. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It was really, I mean, yeah, today was, you just knew that regression game was coming for Taiwan Walker. It's just this, it's just a thing where you're like, you look at the peripherals and you're like, the Babbitt's low, the strand rate's high, these things even out. And um, it certainly did today. So yeah, I I think solid pitching matchups. Um, If you can get a guy from the Yankees in your lineup, I certainly would, would try to do that. Yeah,
0: it's going to be a big one. Check your wires. I know people drop Judge, but some people might drop Stanton because reports didn't look very promising at one point in time. But one guy I would pick up, uh, Gio Yershella, who was raking beforehand. He went three for four with a walk in his first game back on Tuesday. They sent Andohar down because Yershella is the everyday third baseman. So he's a guy I would look at if you need some, some offense. He'll play versus righties and lefties, and he hits in the middle of that order. So go grab some Yershella on that one. The last team we're going to talk about here is the Miami Marlins. They have four at Atlanta: Tomlin, Hamels, Freed, Ian Anderson. Could be a tricky four gamer there. But then they get in. Uh, then they get three at the Yankees. Davey Garcia has been pretty good. Garrett Cole and Masahiro Tanaka. So there's about four starts there that scare me for hits. I know you want them for a different reason though. So what's your thoughts on Miami?
1: <laughs> I'm so one dimensional. That those four against Atlanta, yep. you know, to start I'm off with. The full week, Um, I think a lot, a lot depends, you know, they're, they're, you know, with the, with the Yankees towards the end there. I'm not, I don't know what the game gap is between when the regular season ends and when the playoffs start. Do you know? Uh, The regular season is supposed to end on the 27th. And I believe I saw the
0: 31st or 30th of how many days are in January, February, March? Yeah. So 30th, 30th will be the first day. So about two or three days. Okay.
1: So that'll be interesting to see what they want to do because like a guy like Cole, like is Cole going to pitch the second to last game of the season? You know, um, if, if that means that he's not ready for game one of the playoffs, probably not, um, you know, or else he maybe goes like a bullpen session, you know, two or three innings, something like that, just to keep him warm. So that's one thing to consider factor in there, but I think generally speaking, yeah, it's just, um, I love, I love that Braves pitching, but it is coming back and maybe getting a little bit better, but like a guy like Hamels doesn't really worry me yet. You know, he came back from the injury last year with the Cubs and was, was, was terrible. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of it is you got to kind of balance like the, the ease of schedule, what you need from a category perspective, but then also like, what is the mentality of the team going to be heading in there? Right? Like it's almost like in some respects, I don't mind having a team that's totally out of it because they don't have a reason to rest guys. You know, it's those guys who have already clinched who generally give like one off day, maybe the last day of the season or the second to last day of the season, or, you know, a half game the last day of the season where they give them a little bit of a break. And those are the guys that I kind of want to be a little bit of cautious with um, because you want games, you want volume because what you're hoping to do if you're behind at least is when when these guys sit out and when the players don't play you know that you have an opportunity to make up a little bit of ground there so yeah and also i'm, I'm pissed off because matt andreis just came in for some reason in the top of the eighth inning and i picked him up and I'm have him in all my lineups to because he got the last two saves for for the angels and it's no, meaningless it it's all it's all right. meaningless and i sat him for jeremy jeffress Who lost his game, so I was happy because I sat him. And then he got the win. He lost. He blew the save, and then he got the win. Oh, Oh, man. man. Process right, maybe. Outcome wrong. (laughs) Got to love it. Got to
0: love 2020. Uh, Let's talk about some two-start pitching options this week, and some are interesting, so I'm looking forward to getting your thoughts on this. And we'll start with Josh Tomlin. Home versus Miami, home versus Boston. Looking at Tomlin's game logs. It's been a, a, rocky road with not a lot of strikeouts. So what is it you see here Two, you know, offenses you can exploit, or is there something else with Tomlin that strikes, uh, strikes a, a fancy for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, for a lot of this, right. I'm in, I'm in mostly 15 team leagues and the, the last game, last time of the season, depending on what you need, you know um, there's going to be, there's going to be different things going on. So, Uh, in his last game against the nationals, he did end up, he did end up getting rocked. Um, but he started off well, um, you know, 28 Ks and 32 innings, the pitch mix change that we've heard about. It's not a great start, but you know, I'm to the point where like, if a guy, if a guy just doesn't Colby Allard it, you know, I feel pretty good. And you know, the matchups aren't, aren't terrible. Like Miami, yes, they can, they can smash every once in a while, but you know, uh, you can't really stay steer, steer clear of, of that. And then Boston again has been a little lackluster. So again, like there's, it's, it's a huge risk, but if you're looking for two start pitchers, chances are like, depending on the leagues you're playing in, like I was attacking guys this week for next week's two steps. And so there's going to be some guys available, but if you think a guy can go five innings and be at least borderline serviceable, They almost, depending on what you're looking after, you know, if you're chasing wins, if you're chasing K's, they become borderline must start towards the end of the week, especially because sometimes the lineups aren't as strong at the end of the season. So, um, you know, again, not necessarily ideal, but um, somebody that I would certainly look at uh, based on just the matchups and the fact that he plays for a good hitting team. So wins are a possibility.
0: Yeah, the next guy you have here is um, Kyle Freeland at the Giants at the D backs. I like this quite a bit. We talk about Rockies pitchers outside of Coors. Freeland's been outstanding outside of Coors this year. A uh, 263 ERA with a 367 XFIP on the road compared to an ERA closer to five at home. Uh, 23% K rate on the road. So obviously doing things on the road. Much, much better at home as you kind of expect with uh, Rockies pitchers. But he's been great this year. So I like that matchup. The Giants, they're hitting, but, you know, you can exploit them. Freeland's done that before. And the D-backs, you can definitely have your fun with. So um, how how high are you on Freeland going into the final week?
1: I love Freeland going into the other week. Let me tell you, he's been the bane of my existence this year because I spent a bunch of fab on him to pick him up. And then – and I think I just miscalculated, like, when he was starting. So he never was in the lineup for the good starts, and he was in there for a couple bad ones. And I dropped him down the end of the stretch here in one of my mains because of the way that the schedule lined up. It lined up where he was supposed to pitch, I think, on a Wednesday. And then he was supposed to have a two-start week against the A's and the Dodgers at home. And I was like, I'm not going to start him the next two weeks. I can't keep him. And then his start was instead of Wednesday, it was Tuesday. So he got a two-step, a nicer two-step that week. And then. Anyways, this is all to say, I think Freeland, he's got two plush matchups too that week. I mean, he he might be my like guy who could be on the free agent waiver wire who is the best two-step next week that might be available um, if you can go for it. And the Rockies are going to be in it, and so they're going to be trying really hard. And, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no,
0: I like him a lot in the two-step. Really good spot for them, uh, him going into those matchups. Uh, Brady Singer, mentioned him earlier with the Royals. He gets St. Louis and he gets Detroit. Two offenses you can definitely have fun with. Coming off a great start against the Indians on the 10th. We'll see how he does on Wednesday night as we we're recording on Tuesday. But, we, you know, big expectations for him. Threw pretty well to start. The last, like, three or four starts were rocky before the one on the 10th. the so It was very, very good. Looks like he's been a little unlucky at times. But uh, what's your thoughts on Brady Singer going into the final week?
1: Yeah. I mean, the Detroit starter is the one that I really want. I mean, he's going up against Detroit uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. I've got him in a bunch of deeper leagues, so I'm really hoping he can do well. The Tigers do struggle against right-handed pitchers. I know that they have exceeded expectations in terms of hitting, but they're much better against lefties than they are against righties. um, At least over the course of the season, you know, things can always change with lineups changing so much, but, and they were certainly rock Jake Junis, but um yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just a really nice, uh, n- nice two-step towards the end of the season. Again, you just hope that the guys get the two steps. Uh, you know, he's a young guy. They don't want to put too much stress on the arm. But hopefully he gets both both ends of it because I think it, it, it's the type of guy who can – he's good enough where he can be a league winner for you down the stretch there.
0: Yeah, the next guy, Trevor Rogers, gets the – at Atlanta, at the Yankees. This is a, a tricky one, to say the least. Strikeouts have been there for Rogers. Got smoked his last outing against Philadelphia. Pitched pretty well prior to that. The long ball's been in his repertoire, which can be scary in those matchups. How excited are you to uh, try two-step in with Rodgers?
1: I'm crazy. I'm super excited. I've got him in a bunch of leagues. He's definitely going to be in there for me. I mean, the thing about this is, and again, this is deeper leagues than I'm talking about, your 15-team leagues. Trevor Rogers got crushed by the Phillies, but I don't mind it. And the reason why I don't mind it is because it was three innings it was nine hits. It was zero walks. And I think it was six Ks, seven Ks, even maybe five Ks. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I mean, Philly mashes lefties. So there was danger in that start. And I think it was the second end of a two-step as well for him. But you know, the thing about Rogers is, is it was when you look under the hood, the K minus walk rate, the swinging strike rate, everything looks really good. He's getting guys to chase. Uh, the fastball's playing up, the velo's up, the changeup has been really nice pitch for him. And so, yes, I mean, any of these guys can do that. And that you go into it, you go into these starts, and this is kind of my mentality, and maybe it's wrong, right? You're talking to a guy who started Vince Velasquez in a really a couple really, actually, six really important leagues this week, right? Is you think about it, okay, like, let's say over the course of a season, Trevor Rodgers probably has what? Like a four to five ERA. You know, so over the long haul, you start him every single time. He's likely to give you that type of an outcome. When he goes into a single start, he can give you zero earned runs. He could give you seven earned runs like he did. But over the longer term play, he's going to give you four to five earned runs, you know, per nine. Right. So you're looking at maybe like, you know, two to three on average for every five innings pitched. Right. And and I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Because he's going to get you K's, like he's showing that he's got the skills for K's, and it's just a matter of what the luck happens, you know. And maybe it's maybe it's luck, and that maybe it's luck. Maybe it's not. Like maybe he just gets destroyed. But generally speaking, the vast majority of pitchers fall within a range for their BABIP. And when a guy gets, I don't know what his BABIP was in his last game, but you know, when a guy gets like a 500 BABIP against him in a game, it just happens, right? Because plenty of guys hit the ball hard and it gets caught. And sometimes that happens in the games, and sometimes it doesn't. And so my philosophy is, if the guy's got the skills and and he looks good enough, I hope that he ends up in that four to five ERA range that he's going to give me. Maybe I get lucky, maybe I get unlucky, but that's my hope. And with a guy like Rogers, especially last week of the season, two starts at home against lineups that are fine, but they're not that scary. You know, like the 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 Yankees is scary. i was like sure. to say what. <laughs> <laughs> the Yankees the Yankees are scary for sure, but they're also, you know with judge and uh, with judge and Stanton in there, they're also going to be K guys, you know yeah. So again, maybe I, I probably do this very wrong people. I probably do this very wrong, but I, I would definitely have them in there. I'm going to have them probably in there probably for all of my leagues unless I look at my leagues and I say Ks aren't moving much, I'm more worried about ratios, something like that but I don't, I don't necessarily love to play like that because I think that's crazy things can happen the last couple of weeks when there's differentials in, in innings pitched and things like that. So we'll see it, but I'm a fan of his to start next week. Yep. Yeah, I'll pass, but uh, you go get him. Um, the, the next guy though, I
0: like quite a bit Seth Lugo, big fan of what's going on here. We love them in the bullpen to start the year as a guy that can get some potential saves, wins and whatnot. They moved him in the rotation. They stretched him out. He's thrown at least five innings in two straight starts. In his four starts since he started ramping up, he's got at least five Ks in every start. Uh, ERA is a 2.65, an X tip of 1.94 over those four starts. He's been outstanding. He's he's just dominating people right now. And he has a couple of really, really strong matchups against Tampa Bay and the Washington Nationals in offense. that does not scare me outside of, like I said earlier, Soto and Trey Turner. So what's your thoughts on Seth Lugo in the final week? This is a guy I can definitely get behind.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's been really good. Um, he's been really good. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't checked to see like what's what's really changed with him. I mean, that's that's a little bit of what's sad about this season, I think. And actually, um, our friend Brian Slack said this on the podcast with Scott Genstead, and I thought it was good. Is normally you're really focused on skills, you know, like you're like you're monitoring the skills, you're looking for those changes, and you certainly still are. But so much of it this year, so much more of it this year, is information management. It's be having your pulse on it. It's like, yeah, in a in a regular in a regular season, maybe I don't have Trevor Rogers, but there's no other there's no other good options. So it's like with Seth Lugo, it's like maybe I would do a deeper dive if it was a longer season, but I'm gonna have Seth Lugo in my lineup, right? Because what are my alternatives right now, right? It's just it's really scary there. So um, again, I think I think he's he's definitely a must start. Um, he's got, he's going over five, the last two innings, like you, uh, like last two games, like you mentioned, his BABIP is even high over the last two games. So it's not necessarily like he's getting lucky. He's generating a really high ground ball rate. So he checks all the boxes. Um, and, and I'm surprised to be honest with you, I didn't think that he was going to adjust to being a starter as well as he has. Um, and I don't know if it's a long-term thing, but, um, certainly he's been, he's been uh, almost a revelation, uh, moving into the starting rotation and doing what he's done. Uh, given the context that we're, we're in right now.
0: Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I was kind of skeptical of him joining the rotation, but he's been awesome. Absolutely awesome. So, big fan of that. The next one's an interesting one. I, I can definitely get behind JT Brewbaker of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's got the Cubs. He's got the Indians, two teams that strike out a lot. That offense has been super inconsistent. Uh, Brewbreaker had a rough one against the White Sox. That happens. But pri- uh, prior to that, you know, he's still, even with the White Sox game, He's thrown at least five innings and three straight starts. He struck out at least five and four straight starts. His ratios have looked pretty good. Even in that White Sox start where he had seven runs, an 11, 8 one ERA with a three nine one X Fit. So there's a lot being said for what happened in that start right there. Um I I like this call quite a bit. I think he's gonna be available on a lot of waiver wires. Pretty good matchups here. What say you, Toby?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think he's, I think he's uh, pretty solid. Um, You know, the skills bear that out certainly above average. I think in a lot of, um, a lot of different respects, he gets a little strength swing and miss, gets some K's. And as you mentioned, the offenses are, you know, I mean, Cleveland struggled against lefties. Um, Both, both teams have struggled against lefties and he's a righty. So not necessarily ideal in that respect, but again, a guy who can go five teams, not great, but opposition isn't, scary it's not the white socks um so he's another guy i think you know looking at the waiver wire it will be really interesting down the stretch here to see if you go after him um you know if your ratios are shot just just do it just do it um drew smiley you've already professed your love for oh, um
0: the one thing that, that's frustrating with drew is he hasn't gone more than four innings because he hasn't been able to stay healthy enough to get stretched out which has been drew smiley's thing but even when he pitches, he's been great. You know, just a couple runs at the most a game. Strikeouts are there. The velocity is still kind of hanging around that we liked, that we saw last season before that he came to the Giants. All things point to goodness. Um, he places Colorado and San Diego both at home. Two could be good offense, especially San Diego. But I, I'm with you. You all in on Smiley for the final week? You say
1: goodness. I say greatness. <laughs> I love I it. I am all in on Drew Smiley. Drew Smiley, okay, I'm going to give it to you straight. Drew Smiley looked absolutely stunning in his appearance so far. Four innings pitched, eight strikeouts. Now, this tweet was uh, shared with me by Brian Slack, and it's uh, Jordan uh, Rosenblum, um, at, uh, Rosen, um, at Rosen Jordan Blum or Bloom. Uh, who is a fantastic analyst? He does a lot of minor league work, but also some really great work. Generally speaking, um, and he's got some gems. Me and him I agree on some dynasty guys. Um, uh, so I, I take I, I agree with everything he says. But so I noticed this when I looked at his Smiley's last start. His velo's up, way up. It's way up since he's come back. Uh, he averaged 95 miles per hour. Yesterday, So this is an older tweet, but this is when his four innings pitched eight strikeouts, three miles per hour over, um, his, uh, previous season, his fastball spin was plus 200 RPMs, which again was, is, you know, we want that high, high spin, uh, four seamer, um, that he can throw up in the zone. And then, you know, um, uh, the peripherals were really nice. And I think. He's the type of guy who, you know, um, confirmation bias. I loved heading into the season for this very reason. The b was up, things were looking good. And again, it's only one time back, but the velocity being up that much is massive for him. The spin rate being up is massive for him as well. And I just think that I think he can be a difference maker down the stretch here. So I'm going on record all in and Drew Smiley. I've done this thing now where I'm, when I'm all in on guys or I have them in my lineups, I search for them since I found that functionality this year on NFPC. And it shows little green things. If I were to do that for Drew Smiley, I actually created a video uh, for uh, Yancey, uh, And I sent it to Brian Slack as well, because he's on Team Smiley. Um, I sent it, sent it and it's me scrolling through my Smiley shares. And I think I had 12 Smiley shares heading into the year. And I've got just as many, if not more. And he's starting on pretty much all of my teams um, this week. So I'm really excited about him. And I think the two-step next week will be really nice. I also like Tyler Anderson's again, it's not great. And Anderson can get destroyed, but in the grand scheme of things, I think you got to go for it. If, 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 if there's a chance that it can help you out, I'd rather yeah, be have- aggressive and lose than be passive and lose and regret. Um, not being aggressive and trying to let other people lose instead of me winning. Well, you established that with your Rogers goal. So you've definitely established that aggressiveness part. <laughs> I want really um, aggressive people. Don't follow what I do. Start Jared Walsh. Don't listen to yes. a word I say. It's bad. Uh, well, the, uh, Anderson thing I was going to mention.
0: The one thing that people should really look to is uh, it's still a small sample, obviously, but the splits have been pretty good this year. Uh, home one, eight, two ERA road, seven five nine. Gives up a um, on on the uh, the road a four hundred one Woba at home a two fifty one Woba. so he's definitely controlled things in Oracle Park. So that's something to keep in mind. Again, Colorado San Diego could be tricky, but uh, he does pitch extremely
1: better at home. So something to keep in mind there, Josh. Yeah. yeah, a couple pieces on Tyler Anderson. Number one, I've never gotten in an argument with a player on Twitter, but Tyler Anderson's father has gotten in an argument with me about Tyler Anderson. Uh, number two, I had him in my Bold Predictions article three or four years ago, Tyler Anderson. So it's almost fate that I have him in virtually every single league as well. So next week I am a Giants fan, hardcore, Baba. Hardcore Giants fan. I'm you all in.
0: Playoff, so watch and enjoy. Um, Josh Fleming of the Tampa Bay Rays, he gets a couple nice matchups at home against the Mets and the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies do like themselves some some lefty, so that'll be interesting. But definitely good ballpark to pitch in, could make some uh, some hay in that one. The strikeouts have been there in a couple starts this year. Is so it just a guy that the, trying to get the the ratios, maybe some counting stats for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy – I mean, the, the matchups aren't bad. And remember, Philly – you know, Philly's banged up, and but they're still like, I think, 85% to make the playoffs, something like that. Probably more after today's win – So chances are they might be resting some guys that last game of the season. So that's helpful. The Rays may also be, so I don't know if I'd expect five from him, but in terms of two starts, you know, again, like in deeper leagues, this is 15 team leagues. Mostly. I don't think I'd be trying these guys out in twelves, except for Drew Smiley. Um, You know, it's, it's, you know, it's just one of these things where you got it. Sometimes you just got to go with it and um, Fleming's been fine. And, You just hope he can go five and and get you get you a little get you uh, you know three to five strikeouts something like that. Yep, no doubt about it. And the last
0: guy you have down here, and this is another risky one, but uh, Kyle Gibson at the Angels at home against Houston, a Houston team that's getting healthy. Uh, How excited are you about Kyle Gibson?
1: For those of you who are listening to the podcast, you guys should see Bubba's face. He does not have a (laughs) poker face when it comes to some of my two-star pitcher suggestions. (laughs) Let's just say he's not a fan of Kyle Gibson. I'm not a fan of Kyle Gibson either. I would steer pretty clear of this because I think the Astros are going to be needing to play really hard in that last game of the season. Gibson's just been awful recently. He's just not been good. He's never really looked good this season. You know, there's some glimmers, as there always is, with Kyle Gibson, but he's not even getting the Ks now. And and so I'd steer clear of this. this. This is desperation. I love it. Is very desperation. I mean, I'd much rather, I'd much rather Trevor Rogers than. Um, he said it. That, uh, that, you know,
0: that's, that speaks volumes. Speaks volumes yes. right there. So, um, go check that out. And if you have any waiver wire questions, just hit one of us up on Twitter or tag us both. We'll help you out there because it's going to be different for every league. So uh, we don't need to go through all of those. But we do have a few listener questions we can jump on today. Uh, at breaking, Ben Ben Tid asks a question. Are there any poor performances that – and also we'll get way into 2021 and recapping 2020 in the upcoming weeks, but here's a little taste of that stuff. Are there any poor performances that you think will hold more weight going into next year's rankings um, ADPs as opposed to those you'll easily write off? So are there guys that maybe didn't do so well that you're still going to like going into the next season?
1: Yeah, I mean this 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 is gonna be it's it's gonna be absolutely fascinating to me. I can already see the conversation happening. Like Javi Baez is a guy where people are like, I'm out on Javi Baez. He looks lost at the plate. I mean, how old is Javi Baez? 26? Yeah, 27? Yeah. He's is. he's Javi Baez. He's Javi Baez. He's his he was a huge risk this year because of his approach at the plate. We know that, right? Like, and I know that I drafted him. I have him on one of my main event teams. He's been, he's been terrible, but we knew this was a possibility, just like three fifty, you know, 15 homers and seven stolen bases was a possibility because those are the fluctuations a guy with his approach is going to have. If Javi Baez falls in drafts next year, I'm going to be all over him. I, that is if he falls out of my first four picks, because next year I'm going with four starting pitchers to start off with. Um, that's how conservative I've gotten with, with starting pitching. So I don't have to pitch Trevor Rogers and be really excited <laughs> about it. Um, but uh, Javi Baez is one, you know, where I can just already see the talk. Christian Yelich is another one, you know, who who guys are going to have towards the back end of the first round. Um you know, I think we're putting too much on it. I mean, it was a shortened spring training. So guys start out slow. Guys start out slow. Psychologically, they start to press. They start to press. They get out of the routines that they're, not, they're that they're used to. I think, that's, I think that's what's happening. And I think we have to toss out a lot of what we've seen in hitters. I, I, I think, you know, similarly with pitchers towards the beginning of the season, what we've seen. Um, I just think that I think that we're placing a a lot of emphasis on this year. And if a guy's young and he's good and he sucks this year, I don't see a reason to believe that he's going to be bad next year, unless I get some sort of information that points me in that direction. But even if it was an injury, I mean, unless it's an injury that's going to linger, like I think those are going to be the big opportunities in, in next year's draft, because Yes, like I think as we get closer to draft time, people will adjust and people will do the analysis and they'll get closer, and, and they're and and they'll get closer. But there's going to be one to two round differences, you know, for guys that I don't think should be there. So take advantage of it next year. Take advantage of the recency bias and and the way, it, and the way it plays out. Yeah, pulling up my
0: rankings from or before the season, like Bias would be one for sure, and he was going later than I thought already in drafts as this past year. So. That value would be very, very nice. Um, you mentioned Yellick is an obvious one. That's gonna. I've seen guys talk about second round with Yelich, but it just blow my mind. Uh, JD Martinez. This is one I really want to dig into some more. He's older, so he is. That's a question, but I still think the hit. Like I don't see that hit tool disappearing that quickly with him. So I want to. I want to dig in more on him, and that's what I'm looking forward to this offseason. Is looking at a small sample, trying to figure a few things out with that, and kind of. Deciding how much relevance I want to take with it, type situation. And those are a couple that really, really stand out for me. Like Keston Hira, who a lot of guys are high on, really hasn't been that great this year, especially from a batting average standpoint. So, was it kind of fluky and just a big hard hit rate with a lot of uh, swing and miss? Or is there something else going on this year? Guys like that, young players, like you mentioned, then I'll sprinkle in the old guy and JD, try to get an idea of what's going on. Even, you know, this guy didn't go super early, but I know we were both kind of into him, especially for stolen bases. Like what happened to the Rosario this year? He's super young. Like I, I want to see. It's a we great he t- example. We thought he was taking the next step, and he's kind of vanished. I know he got hurt, but he's not stealing. His average is gone. Like he was at least hitting like two what seventy or eighty and stealing bags. Like it, it looks so good. And I, I know he wasn't going early, partly because a shortstop so deep. But maybe it's not the guys at the top of the draft I want to look at so much. Is guys that we were looking at as you know we could fill in our rosters with and feel comfortable with. That maybe didn't pan out so much. Like what what's what gives type stuff? And I, I want to know about that.
1: So Rosario is a great example of a guy who went like 125 this year, 125, 135, who will drop probably past tick two hundred pick two hundred, who's a twenty-three year old guy with the exact same skills he had in a previous year. Um, you know, who struggled. And I think especially guys who struggle with confidence and you don't have time to pick it up and you know, you feel that pressure. I mean, like a guy who I got to decide on, but like Victor Robles, you know, I was all, I love Victor Robles. I have him on important teams. He's been an utter failure. He also came into camp overweight. He lost over a, over a foot per second on his sprint speed. So his most valuable tool from a fantasy perspective was diminished heading into the season and we didn't know about it. Right. And so that's the type of thing that I don't think will happen next year with ideally a full spring training, right? Where a guy is able to implement his regimen. He's not at home waiting to get off the COVID list, you know, things like that, where I think those can make a big difference where he's a guy who's probably going to drop to pick 100. I would guess like probably in that where like Oscar Mercado and guys like that were going last year, because people are going to, again, be questioning it. And yeah, I think it's perfectly okay to question the hit tool, but from a roster construction perspective, if he can get back to where he has been, from his stolen base perspective, and again being a tw- now a twenty-three year old with prospect pedigree in what should be a better lineup next year, you know I, I think there's going to be a lot of value to be had by those guys that the market just overcorrects for based on a small sample. Even if even if there's a lot of merit to the analysis that gets you there.
0: Totally agree. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I know it's been a a long short season, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Kind of. Trying to evaluate things to get ready for next year. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out because ADPs are going to be insane. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, our buddy David Mendelson uh, has a two-parter. I'll start with the first part, and then you guys can talk about your little your little tour, your your band. But um, Shane Bieber or Jacob Degrom as the first pitcher off the board in 2021. I'll keep it simple. I am still going Jacob Degrom. Like he could be the NL Cy Young Award winner this year. Bieber's been awesome. Not going to dispute that at all. Nothing against him, but prove it year after year after year like DeGrom does, and then we can talk about passing him up. But for now, Jacob DeGrom for me.
1: Yeah, DeGrom is special. I mean, he's just so good. There are – I mean, what pitchers do you go into a start? Knock on wood, because he's going tomorrow. He better not mess up when I need him. But And he could get three starts the rest of the way, which would be – Oh, my God, God. It would be Unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, he is just the consistency is amazing. 100 mile per hour fastball with like a 94 mile per hour slider. Like, he's just, he's otherworldly. Um, that being said, like, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm going to really love being in the back half of the first round next year oh, yeah. because Garrett Cole's going to fall. And. You know, and that's great because I think, I think he's going to be awesome, and I still might have him as my number one starting pitcher heading into next year. Remember, like he's had a he's had a little bit of a. Um, I feel like his schedule hasn't been that easy from a hitting perspective. The NL East is a tough hitting division. Um, The AL East is not that much better. Um, Obviously the Red Sox weren't as good as we anticipated, but there's not any like gimmies necessarily. Um, And and so I think that that plays into it a little bit. Maybe they'll have the same arrangement next year. I don't know, but I do think that we're going to underrate Garrett Cole severely because, because you have the change of scenery, but he's getting back to where he was last year. He's not quite there. He still gives up too many fly balls, but He is an elite pitcher and playing for the Yankees. He's going to get a crap ton of wins. And as much as you say, Jacob deGrom and those ratios are amazing. They are amazing. But the guys before this year who have won people leagues. Are Verlander and Cole. I mean, not, I mean, they deGrom has won people leagues. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, but you cannot underestimate the importance of those wins in fantasy and you cannot go into a season thinking there's going to be a massive difference between them, but they are important and it's fairly consistent negative against DeGrom. And I know I'm foolish for even mentioning it, but um, I think, I think Cole's still in that conversation for me. Yeah. DeGrom finishes out the year at Philly uh,
0: tomorrow and then home versus Tampa Bay next week. And, on the road against Washington. So three pretty good matchups, as you are saying. Um, let, let's throw a curveball to what you just said there because I'm a huge Cole fan as well, and I'm a believer that he's going to be just fine next year. Uh, I, the value on that you're going to get on him is going to be awesome because where did he have to go this year? Like pick three, four, five, something along those lines, depending on where you drafted. And so um, you could definitely get him towards the back end because uh, there's a question we're going to get to here pretty soon. A couple guys don't even think he's going to be in the first round this next year, which is, I think is pretty comical to me. But um, I would honestly, and I know some will disagree with me on this one, I'd have Cole ahead of Bieber going into next year's draft. But people think I'm probably crazy on that. But I, I, I'm a huge Cole believer. Just like you said, we've seen him do it. I'm not downplaying Shane Bieber, but these guys have done it time and time again, like you said, that just just are game changers for you on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, the key for Bieber is the velo bump. He's gotten a one-mile-per-hour increase in that velo and, that in, and the development of that cutter. So I can certainly see, but I agree with you. I mean, I think there's something about you know, I I I think, I think, I think that's there. Like, if I were to ask you, okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot. I apologize, but what do you think um, Garrett Cole's ERA is right now without looking?
0: It's probably still below three. It's probably like a two seven or something.
1: Okay, it's higher than that. It's a three two. Uh, okay. What would it's you? Like, okay. Like- okay, I'm not. This, this is bad to ask you. What do you think his K minus walk rate is? He's still striking out a good amount. He's walking a few. Let's go twenty six percent, twenty seven percent. Okay, right. Um, what's his? I mean, his swinging strike rate is less than one percent below where it was last year. Okay. And if we were to look at this over the last two starts or three starts when the velo's been higher, he's there. I mean, that, that's going to be God. That's going to be the steal of the century next year when you're drafting like seven, eight. And Cole sitting there for you at seven, eight, and then coming oh, no. around on it's the other Cole, side. So oh, man, oh, oh, Jimmy. no, Jimmy no, Jimmy. no, not not a hitter, Baba. No, oh, I forgot. I forgot. You're looking, and then on the other end of that is like Darvish. You know, a Darvish or. You gonna go Verlander, or are you, are you worried about the injury? Or or everybody who's on the Sixto train drafting Sixto. I want
0: Sixto, but I don't think I'm gonna have the balls to pick him where he's gonna be going. I I yeah. love
1: Sixto. Love him.
0: I think he's so I, mean, good. I
1: love I love what I'm seeing. I don't want to be a downer, but you know, um he's been absolutely excellent and the stuff is filthy. He's also been lucky so far this year, just from like you know, Babbitt perspective, Strand Rate perspective. The K's are not. I don't think that'll be the question, you know, for me is is are the K's elite um for him? I, I'm I'm not convinced that they're going to be, but um Again, I've been wrong about many a thing before, so I, I won't be on that train, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that helium goes, especially what's going to be funny is, is when he blows up in one of his last starts yeah. is the, rea- the reaction after that. Or, or I
0: mean,
1: spring training. Hopefully we get a real
0: spring training. And like his first two appearances are just get shelled. Like, like all of a sudden you're going to get like the maybe third round, fourth round pitcher, all of a sudden he drops like the fifth, maybe sixth. And now like the, your eyes light up like, Oh, okay. We've got something here, but um, we'll see. Cause some people just overreact a lot, but yeah, the, the helium is coming like crazy. Um, you know, Paul Spore has already given his endorsement, which is going to just make everybody skyrocket. We've seen Rob Silver and some others. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be tough for guys like you and me, Toby, who kind of go for the more consistent, I guess, maybe not the right word, but um, That you know, they've done it a few times approach, it's going to be a little tricky to go for Sixto that early.
1: They grab Sixto, we go Tristan McKenzie.
0: Have you seen him? him? I mean – Trust me. Hey, DFS, I've seen them all, my friend.
1: Oh, I know know you have, but I'm just like – I haven't heard – I Actually, I I shouldn't say this. I've actually – I've really scaled back my fantasy baseball podcast this year. I'm just like so – I feel so burned out about everything. Even though the season's still going on, you know, I'm just like I've been listening to a fantasy football podcast just because which reminds me I have to do waiver wire before I go to bed tonight. Oh I lost um, on that AJ Brown drop in the end zone towards the end there. And uh but um yeah, but I mean Tristan McKenzie is just his he's got it close to a 30% K minus walk rate. He's been super lucky too, Babbitt wise. Although right. like he keeps on giving up home runs, so he ends up so he ends up like you know last game i think he gave up like 4 runs and he gave up like you know 3 hits and two and two walks or something like that and he somehow gave up 4 runs so but i mean he's really good and we know what the indians can do with pitchers who are like that and he's going to be going yeah he'll be going higher he'll be going like maybe 150 or something like that but you know he's been that he's been incredible too so it's a really exciting time in the league i mean there's so much talent it's it's really cool it's really cool. Yeah, McKenzie's a good one. He just – some starts, he just kind of
0: gives it up a little too much. Like you said, the, the home runs can get to him. But when he's on, he's filthy. So there's a lot to like there with Mr. Tristan McKenzie. But we'll get into all that goodness later on. There's going to be fun discussions where we'll just go off the rails real quickly yeah. on those. But uh, the other thing David mentioned, and I believe this is on the last podcast you were on with him, he also heard that Chuck Nasty and the Ginger Mountain Boys are releasing their tour schedule next week. How excited are you about that?
1: Very excited. One of my favorite bands, um, you know, we have a, uh, we have a, you know, a, um, we both really like Chuck Nasty and the Ginger Mountain Boys. a uh, Really good bluegrass band um, out of Georgia. Is um, oh, they a real band? No, it's not All a right. real band. Chuck Nasty, uh, so, so, yeah, on, on, on our, so um, with
0: Chuck Nasty, Charlie Blackman, I'm assuming. Chuck so. Charlie Blackman.
1: So on the last Triple Play podcast that I was on, um they did uh the question was like who has the best facial hair in the major league baseball and so somebody did charlie blackman somebody did justin turner um somebody did matt carpenter and somebody did i think i'm forgetting my own no can't remember who it was but we were just saying and then we somehow it went from that to, a, they look like a bunch of guys who would be in a bluegrass band. And then we named it Chuck Nasty and the ginger mountain boys ginger, because of, um, uh, because of big red, uh, Justin Turner and then Chuck nasty. And so we made up this whole elaborate thing about how, like, which instruments are they playing? And, um, it's, a, it was a fun podcast. If you want to go back and, and listen to it, it's always, it's always a blast to go on with those guys. That's funny. A
0: couple more questions we got here. Uh, The draft champions podcast asks how many starting pitchers going round one next year at the NFPC, obviously 15 teamer. we're kind of toying with that just a second ago. I believe. Okay. The easy answer is three or four, but we know, as you know, especially doing the big money drafts as we get closer and closer to the season, starting pitcher comes up. I wouldn't be shocked if four are there by the the beginning of the season. What about you?
1: Yeah, Yeah. I think, um, I think, so we got Degrom, Cole, and Bieber. Bieber for sure. Yeah. Do, um, people, do people imagine the Bueller? I mean, I think the challenge there is. I think. I mean, it's going to sound crazy to say, but should Clayton Kershaw be I disagree with in you. that conversation? Right with the increased velo. I mean, he's been gold. Awesome. Right. You have Scherzer who has not been good this year from a results perspective, but the skills still look elite, you know, and he's really struggled third time through the order. I mean, the Nats have left him high and dry on a couple occasions. Like I think he went into his last game. I think he'd already thrown like 104 pitches or something like that. And they threw him out for the sixth against the Braves. He was up 4-2 and he promptly gave up five consecutive hits and left down 6-4. With 119 pitches thrown, and, right, and Dave,
0: and David Martinez had no one getting loose. That's what took so long to get him out of the game. Oh, man. he it's sent just, him out there. He sent him out there at 102 pitches with no one loose in the bullpen. So once trouble started early, it took a while to get someone loose, and that's what that's what happened. It's just that's bad man. It's just
1: brutal, and he's been getting. He's that's this has happened like three or four times this year where he loses it in the sixth or the seventh, and it's like they're stu- too stubborn to take him out. It's almost like they're like. Max, if you want to stay in there, stay in there. But like, it's pretty clear that he's just getting destroyed. Um, but I also think that from a skills perspective, there's no reason for me that I see why he should not be in that first round as well. Maybe he's a maybe he's a early second rounder in a 15 team draft as well. Um, who else am I missing?
0: Yeah, Darvish possibly coming. Darvish up in there. possibly. I, I mean, it's, it's hard Darvish to argue here.
1: against Darvish if he's healthy in spring with what will have been a year and a half of pitching, you know, even, I mean, like there's just guys like, I mean, who are coming out of nowhere. I mean, I haven't looked at his full stats, but like Aaron Nola has been awesome this year. Right. So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys who depending on how they finish off this year, who could be vying for that first, second round spot. It'll be really interesting to see what happens there. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if people put a little bit more of an onus. It, It feels like it happens every year where, people put a little bit more emphasis on pitching just because streaming pitchers is so uncomfortable. I've joked around about this, but that I'm going to incorporate, I'm going to create the full house strategy after my pocket aces and that's three aces and two number two starting pitchers in my drafts next year. And I'm only halfway joking. I mean, because my best team this year in the main event is a team where I had drafted three of my first four picks were starting pitchers. And I think you look at Phil Desaul and, you know, kind of his approach, which was very pitching heavy, and even me, I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of pitching." But you know, he's doing really well in a lot of his drafts as well, because you just lose so much when you use streamers. It can go so far south so quickly, especially in a shortened season, in a short um, season. where guys don't have a chance to write it. You know, yep. and that's happened to me in a couple leagues where I'm still doing well, but. I, I pretty much lost a shot at maybe winning one of my leagues where I was, the team was really good to begin with, but, um, you know, I just, I had blow ups on guys that I was starting guys like Trevor Rogers, you know? Uh, so anyways.
0: Yeah, no, we'll see. Like Cole DeGrom Bieber for sure. I'm, it'll be in that first round Then it'll get very, very interesting to see where that all plays out from there. Our buddy Chris at baseball pods ask in the same vein, How many leagues have Bieber to Grom in whichever order as the top two overall picks in the draft? Now, I don't think they'll go top two in many at all. I know you are cool taking pitching number one. I'm not saying one of them might not go number one. I doubt both of them go one, two very
1: often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll – I mean, I think the challenge, right, is we're forgetting about how many many good hitters there are. I mean, you're going to have Acuna. You're going to have Yelich. You now have Betts. Just in this phenomenal Still, situation in LA, in what's that?
0: You have Tatis.
1: Where does Tatis go? You got Trout. Like that's five hitters that are unfreaking believable, and people love their hitters, right? So you're gonna. It's gonna be really fascinating to see how that all sifts out, right? Like um, because I think you could. I mean, you you could argue for any of those guys to be number one. You know, and those guys will be drafted number one in a lot of different drafts. So, I mean, um, just an unbelievable not Yelich, but like uh, just an unbelievable level of talent. And I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think next year, the second the back half of the draft is where I'm going to want to be in a lot of instances. Although, I mean, DeGrom and Bieber are certainly very enticing. And remember though too, is that the AL central is really bad now. Um, well, it's actually not that bad from a hitting perspective, but if you're on the the, the Indians, it's all right. But, like, there are some up-and-coming, te- you know, teams will get better theoretically. Maybe they won't. Maybe the Tigers and Bro- Rose won't. I, I don't know. Never mind. Let's not go down
0: that road. Last question we have tonight from Brian Slack. Um, and it's kind of – we basically already answered it, but he asked who's a player you got this year that you're excited to be back in on next year. could be either good or bad so far. Bad may be more interesting. We mentioned guys like Javi Baez – um, J.D Martinez, maybe a Rosario. I think those are some things we're into. Is there anything
1: else you wanted to elaborate on this for? Uh, one guy I think is really fascinating fascinating is gonna be Yoan Moncada. Um, you know, because it's he's been very clear like he just hasn't been the same guy since Covid. His legs aren't aren't working. Um, he's just struggled a lot. So it's gonna be interesting to see how the industry responds to him. He's gonna be a guy that, assuming he comes back in the spring and he looks healthy, and he's talking healthy. Um, he's going to be a guy that I I really still love a lot just because the situation is wonderful. Um, he's got wonderful talent. It hasn't gone away. He's still very young. So that's one guy who I was very big on. I thought I, I think he was my AOMBP pick this year, who I think I'll be back in on if the industry um, drops him down a, a couple rounds. Yep, that could be a lot of fun. It'll be interesting to uh, really, like I said,
0: dig in on some guys. I got a list of guys mm-hmm. I want to look at. Good, bad, ugly, guys I wasn't even interested on, was it real. A lot, lot of fun ways to go about it uh, going into the next season. But what are your final thoughts, Toby, as we have basically 10 or 11 days left?
1: I mean, keep grinding. Grind it till the end. Um, I think, you know, play strategically down the stretch here as much as you can. Invest that time, you know, that you need. Um, monitor information a lot you know, monitor, like monitor, you know, those two start weeks, like who's getting them, who isn't, what are managers saying about how they're going to approach the last week of the season, depending on where they are in the standings, things of that nature, just be, you know, kind of on your, on, on guard for uh, all of that stuff. Um, you know, and, and good luck to everybody down the stretch here. You know, we're in that, that, that time where one really good day or one really bad day can really have a huge impact on um, or week, uh, can have a really huge impact on, on how our season's finished. So hopefully it goes well for everybody, though. I think that's impossible um, yeah. to actually happen. But yeah, I do Yeah, definitely hope. As you Look at uh, the way Flaherty's night on Tuesday went.
0: He had an ERA in the low threes and well over five. So that's just the way it's going to go on the shortened season. That's why guys like Phil, he's lucked out. He, he went pitching heavy, and none of them got hurt. So if you do that, you're going to be gold, Just the way it works. But, yeah, grind on. It's going to be fun. There's going to be still a lot of moving and shaking. Those categories are very, very tight still. So going to be fun to see where things end. Hopefully some crowns are awarded and uh, we see where things go uh, going in the next week. But should be a fun week. A lot of games, a lot of doubleheaders, as you mentioned. So enjoy it. And then the playoffs are here, and that's going to be awesome. 16 teams. But uh, we'll be back with you guys hopefully next week. We'll see uh, how things keep scheduling out. It's been a lot of fun. But uh, good luck with you. Find out, Toby, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at entrick, and this was Bubbing and the BatFlip Episode 49. Catch you guys later.
1: That is going to wrap us up for episode 145 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast and edition 45 above in the Batflip. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope it is helpful. I wish everybody the best of luck down the stretch here. We've put a lot. We've invested a lot in this season so far. Hopefully, it's going well for you towards the end here. Hopefully, you have a chance of winning uh, one of those uh, illustrious championships. Um, But yeah, best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Best of luck with keeping track of all the moving pieces we're going to have here this second half. Take care and be kind to one another.